Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, and turn on notifications so that you will receive alerts when there are new episodes. Go get it. Grinding for so long, I wake up and chase my goals. I go out and I go get it. How to code, that's all I know. I don't succeed, then I don't breathe. Success, what does it mean? If I conquer all my goals, then I'm living out my dream. Dig deep, go out and get it. Success Chronicles, compete until it's finished. Success Chronicles, go take care of your business. Success Chronicles, it's deeper than just winning. Success Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Chip Baker coming to you with another episode of the Success Chronicles. Excited about this one. Uh, we have my guy, Mr. Stanley Leone, with us. Uh, great story, great journey. And first, before we dive in, I just want to say thanks so much for taking the time to interview with the Success Chronicles. Hey, thanks, Chip, for having me. I really love what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I know off air, you know, we talked about, you know, your amazing journey of the things that you've been blessed to grow through <laughs> uh, in your life. Um, but if you don't mind, you know, sharing a little bit about your journey and so people have an idea of, of who you are and, and what it is you do. Yeah, de definitely would have enjoyed talking to you too and and uh, would love to share. You know, I, I've been sharing my story since I was 17. So we're coming up on nearly three decades of, mm. of uh, talking about my experiences. And, and one thing that's really changed since I've gotten older is I, I think my story really started for me in the beginning. And, and what I mean by that is, or not in the beginning, in the middle, what I mean by that is that in the beginning, the story was, was kind of written for me. You know, it's, we're all born into something and, and we don't have much control over that, but uh, for me, when I started to have control, I, I think I was already 17 years old and, and um, I walked into a, a classroom and met a teacher uh, named Monda Simmons, a pretty incredible woman, and, um, and just connected with her. And it, it was pretty unlikely just because uh, when I met her at 17, I was a convicted felon. Uh, just been released out of jail. I, I had a, a, a charge of um, uh, basically assault and battery with intent to do harm and uh, was in a pretty bad situation, was on probation and paying back fines to this, this kid I hurt and, and uh, doing community service with, with Houston's violent offenders. It was, uh, it was not a good spot to be in, but uh, this teacher really saw inside of me and, and gave me an opportunity to, uh, to pull out. And it was unlikely because of where I started, you know, I was born into a dysfunctional family. Father was an abusive alcoholic, uh, saw him try to murder my mom, uh, three times by the time I was five. And, and so when I say violent, I, I mean, uh, it was more than just hitting her and throwing her around a bit. He was, which is bad, but I mean, we're talking uh, attempted murder type situations. Once with a shotgun, he, he put in her face and pulled the trigger, actually fired over my brother and me. Uh, and so it got pretty dangerous for us, too. And um, another time with a broomstick, split her skull open. My older brother, who was 10 and was pretty much my hero, um, he was five years older than me, but he was just so uh, dependable. Um, at 10 years old, he, he pulled my mom off the floor. She was beaten unconscious with this broomstick and, and uh, 
loaded her into the car after we washed her off with some, some wash rags and drove her down to the Pasadena clinic uh, out there in South Houston and, and uh, got 17 staples down the center of her head to, to close the fracture that my father had opened up. So it was pretty brutal. Uh, and another time with a steak knife where he actually pinned her to the floor with a steak knife in her foot um, and refused to let her move uh, as he threw other utensils at her. So ex extremely violent start for us. And, and of course, you know, as kids, you're, you're watching that and you're learning, you don't realize you're learning, but you're learning and, and you're, you're learning that this is the way relationships function. This is the dynamic between men and women. This is uh, the dynamic of the world. You're, you're either a perpetrator or you're a victim. Uh, and so we, we took all that stuff in quietly and it was always quietly because, uh, because we, you never wanted the violence to get turned on to you. So we did a lot of hiding and watching. Uh, mom left dad. My mom was an abused child too. She, she started uh, getting abused in her family when she was, you know, 12. And uh, she ended up in order to escape looking for men to rescue her and um, got pregnant at 14, which she had my older brother uh, he left her. He wasn't ready to be a father. He was a kid. Um, and she went home where the abuse started again. And and then, of course, uh, she met my father and she fell into the cycle of, of really inappropriate men coming in into our lives all the time. And and that's one thing I've learned. I, I think when you see yourself as a victim um, and you're looking for rescue, it's it's not the knight who's who's going to show up at your door. It's it's the predator. They they have a a sixth sense uh, for for victims, and it was like these men sniffed my mom out, and so all the men who came into our lives were were really uneducated and and you know very dysfunctional. Uh, she went on to have five kids. Three of us had different fathers. Of course, there were no marriages because in poverty, you know, marriage is inconvenient and, and it costs money. So you don't do it. And, um, and so we fell into uh, a life of poverty when we left my dad. Uh, my mom was a sophomore dropout in high school. And, and so um, most of my childhood, uh, she sold breakfast tacos at a, in a food truck. And, and that just doesn't pay well. You're paying for your own food. You're renting the truck. Uh, if you make $30 a day, you're, you know, you're doing pretty good. Um, and so th that really led us into situations where we were living with the men she was dating. Uh, and again, they were all inappropriate men and, and they abused us in, in, um, in every way you can imagine. Um, that's just kind of, that, that was, it was almost normal. I hate to say that, but uh, when I look back on it, um, I, I think when you get over the initial shock, it you part of you starts to expect it because because it happens so so frequently. Um, so we moved around a lot when we weren't living with boyfriends. Uh, we you know we'd live in um, trailer parks. Uh, we moved from trailer parks to government housing. We lived in the projects for a while. I remember one unit in particular where we lost our plumbing. There was no water uh, after being there for a couple months. And, and so uh, we had to strategize on 
on how we can uh, how we could clean up. Because if you went to school, you know, everything was strategic for us. How do we hide? Uh, and so when you took pictures, you smiled. Um, when, when you were in front of people, you smiled. Um, and, you know, taking a bath and being clean was also strategic. And so that led us to go to my grandma's trailer every uh, Sunday. And, and that actually led to really the best childhood experiences I had. Um, I'll tell you real quick about my grandparents and then, and then I'll move on. But my grandparents were interesting. They, my grandmother was French, spoke in this thick Cajun French accent. And she was about four foot 11, 360 pounds. Um, Self-described fluffy. She used to call her, she'd say, I'm fluffy boy. And, uh, and boy, mean, mean as a, whatever, you know, just mean. She, she would get after you if you got out of line and, but sweet. And uh, my, my grandfather, so she left my mom's dad before I was born and married another man who was the only grandfather I knew. His name was uh, Cisco Rodriguez. And he was, uh, Spanish was the only language he spoke. He, he was, a, a, I guess you'd call him undocumented immigrant here. And uh, so he was her complete opposite, spoke Spanish. And uh, he was five foot 11, about 110 pounds. And uh, one of the things they would do is they'd stand next to each other. And my grandma would say, count, count. And she'd make us count to number 10. And, and, uh, and she would basically say, hey, we're the number 10 as she's standing next to my grandfather. It was the funniest thing. Uh, but just a sweet disposition. So we would all take turns bathing at the trailer. And, and when we were waiting for our turn to, to bathe, um, the lucky one of the kids, we get to sit uh, in my grandma's lap. My, my granny had the recliner because she was the boss of the trailer. And uh, man, when you sat in her lap, you just kind of sunk, you melted down into her. And she'd take these big old arms and just wrap them around you. And she'd lean real close, maybe an inch or two from your face. I mean, you could feel her breath on you. And, and, uh, and she'd whisper, and she'd say, you know, your granny loves you, boo, in this Cajun accent. Your granny loves you. You're going to be okay, boy. And nobody's going to hurt you, Sha. Your granny's here now. Nobody's going to hurt you. I, I love you. She just keeps saying it. And um, I remember there was always a moment when, um, when I'd believe her, you know, I, I believe that maybe things were going to be okay or that I was lovable. It was, a, it was just a moment. It wasn't much, but looking back, I realized that, um, that that moment was enough to get me through a week of hell because when we left, we were living in these projects and it was, it was dangerous and, and mom had these men in our house and I mean, it really was hell. And I remember looking, looking back that there would be times when you feel like getting, I'm talking like 10, 11, 12 years old, where you, you just get overwhelmed and you're, you're like, I just can't do this anymore. But I would think about that moment. And, I, and my thought would be, man, if I can just wait till Sunday, 
I'm going to get that moment again. So those moments kind of got me through some, some pretty tough times. And anyway, we did that for a while. I was very grateful for my grandparents and uh, we ended up, they condemned the building we were in. So they, they gave us two weeks to get out and we ended up living in a motel and uh, the motel is when I really became angry because um, I didn't want people to know I was pretty ashamed of, of my family. And at that time, I was in a bunch of bad stuff. I was selling drugs and, and doing just stupid things, trying, trying to fit in, trying to get approval, I guess. I remember the guy I sold for. I thought he was the biggest, baddest guy on the South Side, and and, and I wanted him to you know, think I was, I was great. And so I, I did whatever he told me to do. We boosted cars. I mean, we stole clothes out of laundromats um, and anything you could get your hands on. So I was doing some stupid stuff, but I learned that, that if you were angry, people stayed away from you and the angrier you were, the further away they stayed. So I, I became a very violent, um, very violent kid not not because I'm naturally disposed to violence, but because it was the best way to hide that I knew of. Um, I, I was terrified people would find out that I was the trailer trash they thought I was. Um, and so my goal was to let them think that, but never let them prove it. And, and so I kept them away from me. Um, we did the motel for a while. Mom couldn't afford it. We ended up living in her car. They took her truck away from her. And so we, you had four kids and my mom living in the station wagon. At this time, my older brother was gone. I, I woke up when I was maybe seven or eight asking for Johnny, my brother, and, and he was gone. And remember, my mom grabbed me by the hair, threw me against the wall. I, I rolled under this rollaway bed. We were living in a little mobile trailer in, in uh, this lady's backyard at the time. And uh, I rolled under this rollaway bed we slept on. And, and my mom was kicking me under there, telling me never say my brother's name again. And, and, uh, and so I didn't. And uh, he was gone for like five years. And we didn't know if he, if he died, if he'd been kidnapped. And we, we found out later there was some abuse going on in the house and, and another uncle had actually removed him out of that situation. Um, but I didn't know that at the time. I, I just knew my big brother wasn't there. And, and I'm naturally introverted, quiet. Uh, guy. I mean, my ideal chip, my vacation is in a cabin with a book. Yeah. You know, reading and writing. Let, let me just be alone. Um, it, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty, pretty much a loner, but I recognized my family didn't need an introvert. They needed, they needed a protector. And so I became more extroverted, which included becoming more violent because I was small. And so I had to be crazy um, because I wasn't very big. So, so that changed. We lived in a car for a while. Um, Mom brought us to another uncle, the bad uncle, I call him. And, and I was 13. And, and the first night we were there, he, he um, basically stuffed my head in a pillow and uh, climbed on top of me and, and um, assaulted me. And, and my mom came in and, and 
in the middle of what was happening and, and dragged me out, threw me on the couch and told me never to talk about it because, uh, because that stuff didn't happen in our family. And I think in her defense, not that the behavior is defensible, but in her defense, I, I think she was really heartbroken that the same things that had happened to her happened to her children under her watch. And, and I really do believe my, that was the last thing my mom ever wanted. Uh, but she didn't know how to handle it when it happened. And so I laid there um, hating myself um, that night. And we left the next day, moved in with a, with a boyfriend. Um, I had an altercation with him shortly after. By this time, I was selling drugs again, so I had a gun everywhere. I went a little 380 I would carry with me and, and uh, caught him out in the front yard. He was going to spank, you know, whip me with a belt because I, I got in some trouble at school or something. So I, I put this gun in his, for, you know, right against his forehead out in the front yard and, and um, pro probably would have killed him. I mean, I'm not a killer, but, um, you know, but don't push me like the song says, right? I, I, I was just angry and I was scared and I was hurt. And my, but my mom stepped in the middle and, and I had this gun on her and, and she starts crying and, and uh, it triggered a flashback in me. Um, and I remember watching my dad hold this shotgun in my mom's face and, and watching her beg for her life. And, and I, I realized, man, I, I had become my dad and, and I really hated him. I hated him. And um, that realization kind of overwhelmed me. I dropped the gun. The neighbors had called the police. So HPD shows up. They put me in handcuffs. And this cop sees my wrist where it's patched up. Um, because a week after my uncle raped me, I, I just sat on my shower floor, slicing my wrist. Just And my, my only thought was, if life hurts this much already, like, I don't want it. Like, I can't handle it. And uh, my little brother knocked on the door. He's like, Junior, I'm scared, man. Just, just come out. I'm scared. And, and I suddenly realized that if, if I died, nobody would be there to protect him. And so he, he saved my life. And this cop saved my life, too, man. He, he could have locked me up in TYC again, uh, you know, juvenile. But he didn't. He, he took me downtown. He put me in HCPC out in Third Ward in Houston. Uh, the psychiatric center. And that was huge for me. I, I met a counselor in there, this big black dude, 6'5", 300 pounds, solid muscle. I mean, scary, just loud, you know, strong. And um, I was cussing in there one day, he told me to close my mouth if I didn't have anything good to say. And uh, I thought about fighting him for about a moment until I saw him and, and then I sat down and started crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> no, I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I, I won't say anything again, I probably. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I, I remember him saying, his name was Joe, and I wish I could find him. He just started telling me about being a black man growing up in the 50s in Houston and dealing with segregation. But the way he told it was like, Oh, you think you're the only one that's hurt? You think you're the only one that hates yourself, being told to hate yourself? Let me tell you about not being able to use your bathroom or, or drink out of your water faucet. Boy, you, 
you ain't the only one. And he just starts like slapping me with, with his truth. Um, and, and it, it was kind of like a cold shower, man. It just woke me up to, to out of this pity party of uh, thinking I was the only one that had uh, experienced pain. And, and he ended this, the, his story by, by telling me, if you want your world to get big, you got to get smart, boy. You stay stupid and your world's going to stay small. And he told me about getting his PhD in counseling and how each step along the way, his, his life changed uh, and his world got big. Um, so when we were done, I didn't know how to respond uh, because I didn't know that strong people could also be vulnerable. I mean, I, the only strong people I knew were my, was my father and he was, he was a perpetrator, you know, he was a predator. Uh, but this guy could have been a predator. And here he was saying, look, I've been vulnerable too. I've been broken too. Um, so I got up to leave and he called me over and that man hugged me, grabbed me, had both my arms pinned down. I got scared. And uh, I was about to push him off me because he's holding me up in the air. Now he's six, five. My, you know, my feet are about four feet in the air, kicking like crazy, trying to get loose. And uh, before I can push him off me to let me go, his face falls on my shoulder and and uh, Joe starts weeping into my shoulder. And he's telling me, just hang in there, man. Keep just keep fighting. Just keep fighting. Go out and get smart, boy. Uh, so for me, that was life changing. First time I'd ever been appropriately touched by, by a grown man. Um, so it was pretty powerful. Second thing, the first time I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, um, I sat with about eight doctors and, and this is early 90s. So bipolar was like a brand new diagnosis. They, it, it was still pretty much they were figuring it out. And so I get released, go into high school and put on medication uh, of course, they don't know what medications work. So I start self-medicating. Uh, I'm selling drugs and, and robbing homes and stealing cars and all this stupid stuff. But but I did join the freshman football team in, in high school and, uh, and, and I did focus in on my schoolwork. I mean, I wasn't the best student, but I did enough to to stay in the game. Um, I met this coach, crazy old coach rough um but man i knew that man loved me um a lot of people coach wilson was old he was probably i mean he's one of them coaches that when they're 20 they look like they're 100 you know he's just always been an old soul kind of guy and his role model for football coaching was general Patton, um which was the movie he made us watch for freshman orientation two-hour film called Patton. And he would use the Russian army. If the Russian army comes marching down Edgebrook Drive, we're going to strap up our chin straps and get after them. Like that was his whole thing. So we had a love-hate relationship, but he'd always call me back and, and he'd tell me, I see potential in you, boy. Like you could be playing this game on Sundays if you, if you get your stuff together. And I tell you, people call Coach Wilson a lot of things, but the one thing you could never call that man ever is a liar. If, if he didn't like you, he's going to tell you. 
And so if he saw something in me, I knew it had to be there. Even if I couldn't see it, I, it just became my job to find it. Cause, cause if he says it's there, it's there. And so that's why I stayed in school. Um, my freshman year, uh, sophomore year, I get separated from coach drugs and I'm a full blown addict. Violence picks up. I start shooting at people. I get shot at three times my sophomore year. Like things are spiraling out of control pretty quick. My junior year, I'm in class and uh, HPD shows up in school and, and they put me in handcuffs in front of all my classmates and, and they take me out and take me downtown Houston and lock me up. And, and that's when I'm charged with this felony um, assault and battery. And, and then all that was what preceded me meeting this teacher my senior year. And, and it was a pretty, I would say a pretty quick uh, turnaround for me. She basically said, I know who you are. And if you wanna stay that way, then you're not welcome in my classroom. If, if you wanna be something different, then this is the place you need to be. And, uh, and I took her up on her offer in about six weeks after seeing that she was genuine and sincere, um, I asked her to help me. I, I told her I wanted my life to look like hers, and um, but I didn't know how to do it. And so I asked her to, I said, make, make me a list and um, just tell me, like step by step. I was like, I'm not the brightest guy, so I just break it down step by step and I'll do it. And she did. She made me a list. I did everything she put on the list. And at the end of my senior year, I had a 4.0 on my report card. And so yeah, I'm like, <laughs> this stuff works. Uh, so I asked her, don't leave me. I was like, just like, please don't leave me. Just stay with me yeah. and, um, and lead me. And so I got a scholarship offer. And I turned it down. My mom was homeless again. And, and um, this teacher helped me get a job as a welder. And she went to the university and actually spoke to on my behalf about what was going on. And, and they held a scholarship for me, if I would assume it, in, in the spring to go play football. Um, and so I welded for six months, um, helped my mom out and lived with my grandparents in their trailer at the time. And, and um and then went to Chicago and, and stay close to this teacher. She'll be here in uh, two days. They're driving up from Texas to come see their grandbaby. Um, she's become my mom and, and really adopted me into her family. And has just been a bigger blessing than I deserve. Man, and she guided awesome. me. Through. Yeah, she's been. That's awesome, uh, man. She's been God's love in my life. You talk about undeserved mercy. Um, she's been that for me. And now I get to celebrate my son with her. But So I graduated college, um, magna cum laude. I did well playing football. I, I got invited to an NFL combine out in Florida. And at the time, through IMG Academies, I placed in the top 10 athletes to ever go through, and that was cool. And I got to work out with uh, Byron Leftwich and Ontario Smith. They were there and um, did some, some cool stuff there. And then uh, tried out for Dallas. I, I didn't make the team, but 
um, I, I got to try out out there and, and that was awesome. And then his teacher kept pushing me. And so I went on and got my master's degree in educational leadership and, and, um, and it now just successfully defended my initial uh, proposal for my PhD in psychology. And of course, with speaking, I started speaking at 17 when I met this teacher. And there have been some cool things there. I, I published a five-star reader's favorite book uh, that's done well. And uh, I was recruited as the national spokesperson for the United States Navy and uh, featured on the pregame show of the Super Bowl. I, I got interviewed by Lynn Swan. That was pretty awesome. And then Phi Delta Kappa um, named me the James Umstead Outstanding uh, Leader in Education. So I've had all these things that that have really happened. But I, I tell you, the best thing that I'm most proud of is, is that, um, yeah, I have a loving and incredibly uh, brilliant wife. I've got this, I've got this little boy who is just like, there are no words to describe how wonderful, um, how, how much he's enriched my life. Like this kid is amazing. Um, and that's what I'm most proud of. I'm a, I'm a good husband. I'm a, I'm a great dad and, um, and I'm a good man. And, and those are really, I'd say if it, you talk about goal setting, Chip, those are, um, those are really the only things I've ever wanted to be, truly wanted to be in my life. So, and, and I've done it. So that's my story. Man. Um, I don't know, man. I just, just hearing, hearing your story, I think, uh, man, just kudos to you uh, for, for growing through all of that adversity, but then now using uh, that adversity, the things that you had to grow through to help you be a better person. You know, you had to choose to say, hey, you know, you had to choose to be the one. Like in, in every family, there's the one, you know, that says, hey, well, right. no, we ain't doing that no more, you know. And yeah. so, uh, man, kudos to you for being the one. And I, I, I wholeheartedly uh, believe that we are the sum total of our, and I'm a, you know, formula guy, so I'm going to share this formula with you. I think that we're the sum total of our E plus E plus R plus A. And that's the environments, experiences, our relationships and our actions, right? And that makes us the sum total of who we are when we put all that together. You just shared all of those things, mm -hmm. uh, you know, from your life. But then the good part comes when we understand that and we get to reflect on all of those things and it gives us clarity and direction in our life, right? And then that puts us in our lane like the big man has blessed you to be, uh, in your lane to do your thing and so man just <laughs> I, think, I think it's I think it's so awesome and thank you so much for for not just giving us a um just a, a surface story you know what I'm saying what you gave us was substance man and I you know and I just I'm just gonna just tell it like it so like I'm sitting here thinking 
man, every teacher in America needs to hear this. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like, like uh, I'm hearing you like saying that, like I'm speaking to a, like a leadership group of educators, like here in a few days. And I'm thinking like, man, every one of them needs to hear this and know the importance of understanding that it's bigger than you and, you know, find, you know, somebody to help, you know? Yeah. Well, that's why I love what you're doing, Chip. I, you know, I, I, I learned this the hard way um, in my life. I, you know, when you're young, uh, you just, you don't know what you don't know, yeah. you know? And I've gone through phases of why I speak. And when I started, it was completely selfish. Mm. I, I was 17. I was hurt. Yeah. First time I gave a speech, I had 30 teachers line up to hug me and tell me how proud of me they were and how much they loved me. And, and a couple of them, you know, say they'd love to introduce their daughters to me, which 17 year old kid, you're like, wow, even the mom <laughs> likes me. Really. And, and I got hungry. I didn't realize that I was starving for that. I was starving yeah. for validation and approval yeah. and I didn't realize it because I was so ingrained in my anger. You know, anger doesn't let you feel anything else. It's all consuming. Well, when I experienced that, I wanted more of it. And so I, I met, I met a, a guy who uh, mentored me. He was one of, he is the best man I've met in my life uh, flip flip. And I don't know if I can even say his name on here, but yes, you can. Uh, <laughs> great Flip, man Flip was uh he is incredible he and the caption kids remember, hearts for those of you that that, kept, that he's the caption kids hearts guy that's right uh. that's right he and but when i met him i i remember he was at that first speech and i'll tell you this this is kind of off script um i hadn't thought about it in a while but he was at this first speech i gave and i went up to him afterward and and i remember saying to him hey i'm gonna work for you one day and he goes, no, you're not going to work for me. And I go, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to work for you. He goes, what makes you think you can work for me? And uh, I, I, I go, he goes, you just told me you're a drug addict. You're a convicted felon. Like, why would you ever think you could work for me? And I said, well, Flip, I have a story. And he looks at me and goes, son, it doesn't make you special. Everybody has a story. Your problem is you don't have a message. All you have is a story. He said, I'll tell you what, you go out and get your message, something you got to work for, something you got to earn, not something you were given and born into, but something you got to earn. You go get that, and, and then maybe you can work for me. And uh, that was life-changing life-changing moments. I mean, that that started me off on this speaking journey that started very selfish. And, and, and then once I became okay with myself and started to realize that, that, I, that I was finding my message, then it transitioned to being about serving, um, to, about serving other people. But it was really, really a journey uh, for me to get there. It didn't start uh, that way. And now I've come to the point where I realize that the, the message really isn't about me at all. 
I mean, I'm the recipient of, of graciousness and mercy and help um, undeservedly. Now, I, I take some responsibility. I, I had to make uh, the choices to do what smart people told me to do and to go where they told me to go. And to and you know what? Susan Flippin told me my first speech, my first major speech was at San Francisco, California at the AASA conference. Uh, Steven Spielberg closed for us. That's how big it was. It was me, Flip, and Monty Roberts in front of 6,000 superintendents. And... Um, and I showed up, Chip, and I was crying and spending half an hour for the speech in the bathroom, you know, sitting on the toilet, so nervous. <laughs> and uh, and I stepped out of that bathroom and Susan Flippin was there. And she goes, you know what makes you different, Stanley? You show up. When you're afraid, you don't run from it. You run into it face first. That's what's going to get you where you want to be. And those two people, those two incidents with those people have really shaped my life. I, I'm afraid most of the time. I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of disappointment. Yeah. Um, I'm afraid of not being as good as people think I am. Um, but I've learned that you run towards that fear and, uh, and you slam into it, man. You don't tiptoe around. You slam into it face first. And... And nothing but good has ever happened from, from doing that for me. When you run away, uh, nothing but bad can come from that. So those two people, I, you know, the message isn't about me. It's about, it's about the people who have, who have touched my life and unselfishly um, in an unrestrained way been willing to invest in me. Man, so good, so so good, and that family is a great family, and I'm I'm connected with the son, which is kind of how you know it all came about. And I have to tell you, you know, this interview is about you, but I have to tell you <laughs> sometime off air how I got connected with the son, and it's you know what I mean like like it's one of those will blow you away kind of things as well. And so I'm I'm truly grateful to um have been connected with them and, and you as well to have your own, but, but, you know, just hearing you talk about your journey of the things that you've grown through, I would consider all of that to be hugely successful. So, so let's hit on success. What is your, right. what is your definition of success? Oh yeah. You know, I, I knew you were going to ask that question and, and success is hard because I, I don't really know if it's, it's so easy to define it. Right. So, success is is really relevant to each person and and, and in my experience it success changes you know mm -hmm. how we measure it changes I, I found that if you're giving your best to something and and if you're the best version of yourself may, maybe not in the world but but if you're the best for the world then then I've concluded that that's what success is being, being the best you for the world. Right. I I've never encountered someone who, 
who is being the best version of themselves for the world, no matter what they're doing or and no matter what they have. I've, I've never encountered someone who's discontent or, or unhappy if, if they're able to be the best version of their self. So, and I, I know you want to, I know you tied into this is so, so then how do you achieve that? And I, I, again, success is relevant, right? It's unique to each of us, but the way I think I've achieved it in my life, I have transitioned initially it was money because I was broke. So I thought, well, if I have money, then, then I've made it. And I was 27 and the most sought after speaker in education and had more money than I knew what to do. We just bought this big home that was the featured home in Texas monthly magazine should have been on top of the world. Instead, I was on top of my roof, my roof, trying to figure out why I was so empty and why the money wasn't filling these voids and, and literally thinking about jumping off my roof. That, and that was the second time I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I, I went and saw a psychotherapist. I'm like, man, I'm thinking of killing myself. And, and, and by all standards, at least financially, I should be you know, ecstatic. So it was money and I realized money wasn't it. And I had that big home and I had new cars and, and, and I realized those weren't success and getting those things didn't achieve success. And I've progressed and with where I'm at now, I'll tell you, I, what, I'm, what defines my success is that I am a, a good husband. I'm a great dad and I'm a good man. And the way I've done that is, is all of us have this external self that we show to the world, all of us. And, and we also have an internal self and it's, it's who we truly are. And there's a gap in between those versions for all of us. And as I've gotten older, I've been able to narrow that gap. And what I found is that the smaller you can get that gap, between who you show the world and who you really are. The smaller that gap gets, the, the more successful you are. No matter what you have, no matter what you're doing, if, if you can close that gap, Chip, that's success, man. That, to me, that's, that. That's success, man. That's what it looks like. My son is safe. He knows he's loved. He will never be hurt. He will never see his mom hide under the bed or lock herself in the closet. He will never be told he's not good enough or he can't make it. He will always know that he's loved. That's success. So... I think the way you get there is you close the gap. You look at yourself and you say, man, where am I broken? Um, and, and, and where am I whole? And, and how do I improve the parts that, are, that, that need to be refined? And, and how do I maximize the parts that are already pretty cool, you know, so that they are in alignment with, with who I'm showing myself to be to the outside world? Man. That, that that's that's my opinion anyway. You, you know. know, um 
you know, there's a, um, you know, I, I tried to, I'll just tell you, I had to put myself on mute because I wanted to, uh, you saw, <laughs> man, let's go. <laughs> man, like, just got me excited, man. And, and uh, it's so true, closing that gap. And, um, you know, as you were telling your story, all of those things that you just mentioned that you just said about your son, those are the exact things that I was thinking. I was thinking, I was thinking, man, it's great that that kid will never feel hurt in his life. No. Uh, your your wife will will be loved to the utmost because you've seen the other side of that, what it's not, what you don't want it to be. You yeah. know, everybody that is broken uh that gets an opportunity to be around you they will be mended and, and made whole because of the experience that you've been blessed to have and a lot of times when we grow through things in our life catch that grow mm -hmm. through things in Love our it. life you know um you know we look at and you you mentioned this too um you know it's not happening to us, it's happening for us. And, and we have to make that, you said this too, we have to make that choice because it is a choice. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to continue the family living like that, right? We have to make those choices each moment of each day, like you said, to close that gap, right? And it is a choice. And I think that that's the beauty of life too, which puts us in alignment with our assignment. Oh, come on. Wait a minute. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. And, it, and it, it puts us in a, in alignment with our assignment because we are forever working on being the best version of ourselves and, and not for us, but for others and the people that we love. Yeah. And that's when you are, man, that's when it's really good. Mm -hmm. Man, that's, you're going to make me pull the book out here. Come on. <laughs> I, I, Chip, I knew I was going to love you. I, it, that's what it's about. I mean, we're, I, there's so many distractions, um, yeah. you know, and the, the, I, I think the enemy, whoever the enemy is, whoever you refer to the enemy as, um, for anyone, you, you know, the, the enemy is anyone who doesn't, who prevents, uh, your best from from manifesting right Come on. It, and the enemy uses distraction more than than anything else i mean think about all the 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 distractions we have we have tra traumatic experiences we have hurting people who hurt people we have politics we have religion we have gender issues we have curriculum issues we have all these issues that distract us from healing one another and loving one another and helping one another. You know, it's, I, I think when you put the distractions aside, you know, then you can get down to the, to the meat, right? Every, everything else is, is bones and gristle, man, spit it out and, and, and get back to what nourishes you, which is, you know, healing together in, in a world that um, that really is miraculous and, and that we're so fortunate to be able to experience. But but the distractions um, 
you know, they, they're unceasing. They, they continue to come, but you've been able to do that to, to move beyond the distractions and to focus in on what your assignment is that, that, and I have tremendous respect for that. Thank you so much. Yeah. And, and it's so true. Um, but then also I think, um, it makes you you it makes you proud of that too, and not not in the manner of like pride, you know, arrogant, no, but just great grateful, you know, um, just like man, I'm proud that I, that I have the opportunity to to learn and have conversations with great people that you know we all share similar stories and you know those kind of things are learn have learned similar things differently but learned similar things. Right. They are using those things to uh, to be a blessing <clears throat> to others, and, and that's that's so great. And so, yeah, Chip, man, how so awesome great. is it that you get to that that you actually get to do to play this role in <laughs> in the process? I mean, that's that's the gratitude, right? It's like wow. Oh man, oh. like because you mentioned thinking, I, your story. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was thinking that too. Like I'm sitting here listening. Like I'm looking at you, right? You, you're talking about some of those things. I mean, I had to do a double take, right? Like, man, I can't believe I'm getting the opportunity <laughs> to listen to this good stuff. But then, you know, selfishly, I'm like, man, I can't wait to share with everybody because it's about to change the world, man. <laughs> you know, just you know, overly excited. But you know what I mean. Just man, I think I think the lessons within that. It's, it's so good um, because if you are listening or watching this, you know, you see from this that, man, it don't matter where you come from. It, it matters, you know, where you're going and where you finish. You know, if yeah. you're watching this or listening to this, you see that, that we are all broken. <laughs> None of us are perfect. Um, but, man, and I'll share this with you. Oh, here we go. So, so there's a there's a Japanese deal uh, called Kinsakuroi, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but I've kind of researched this. You know, I've done some. You got to text me these things. All I right, got Chip. You. I got you. Right. I got the you. The E E A R or text me yes. that too. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I got you. But uh, so so it's with pottery. So when you have pottery, like it's a Japanese culture thing, you know. So you know, every now and then your pottery gets cracked or gets broken, right? And so right. what they do is they don't just throw it away. Um, they know that there's still value in it, in the brokenness. Wow. And what they do is they lace it and put it together with gold or silver. And so now from being broken, they're better than what they were before. <laughs> That's nice, man. Come on. Yeah, send me that. Send me that. Those are stories we need to tell. And 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 that's how life is. All, all of us are, are that. Like we're all broken. But from those stories, you're gonna learn the big man is gonna lace you with, with gold and silver so that you're more valuable and you're better than what you were before because you have been broken. Man. You just hit me pretty good because I, I never thought about it that way. I thought, wow. Yeah. I, I thought, you know, you're broken and then you heal up, but there's scar tissue there. Yeah. But 
I like I like what you're I like that metaphor because it's like scar tissue kind of it, it, you know it, scars yeah in, in general kind of uh, hint at uh, damage or the wounded but thinking about it as um, as covered over with silver or gold these precious these precious metals you know, puts a different, a, a different perspective on it. Well, let me, let me, let me, let me go deeper for you. So then now, now as you're that pot or pottery that's laced with that silver or gold, now you're able to put rich soil in that pot and you can plant a seed in that rich soil that is gonna to continue to grow and bear amazing fruit for everybody that gets to come around and be a part of that. Yeah, and that's, I, what, that's, what, that's what you're doing. I love it. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna sit and reflect on that a little bit um, yeah. more because I, I think, I think the, I think who I am as a husband and as a father right now may may i need to really dig into this may may re be reflection of the the new vessel um i am you know um yeah i really have never thought of this chip this is a, a just a different perspective perspective shift for me yeah um yeah you have to email me the story i got you um, it's, but yeah, and it make you grateful to be broken. I mean, who wants a new pot when you can get a broken one covered in gold? <laughs> Come, on. Come on, man. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Break, but, break but, me. But, yeah, yeah. But the beauty of it is then when you realize that, oh, man, from the brokenness, man, ooh, I learned some things, you know, and then that that instills that that uh, that drive into you to, to help others because you have been, and now you can help others move more efficiently and effectively of basically yeah. the things that you had to grow through. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's what it all comes down to. I'm just getting back into speaking now. I, I took a year and a half off for, to stay home with, with Weston. Mm -hmm. uh, greatest, hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but man, just so much joy at, being with this kid 24 seven. Um, and, and so anyway, just getting back into speaking and, and right now it's, it's what the drive for me is, um, that I'm a vessel to, of healing. I, I need to help people heal. I need to bring healing into the world. I need to remind people that who they are and, and, and what we do to one another matters that, that nothing is insignificant, that, that a hug or a handshake can, can be what saves a kid's life or, or saves an adult's life. You, you know what I mean? We, you never know what somebody's dealing with. And so a little bit of kindness can be, can be the life preserver, um, you know, in, in stormy seas for, for lack of a better descriptor. And so, and, and, you know, I've been given a part to play in that um that I stepped out of 
for a little while, but I, I'm definitely excited to get back and, and to resume uh, my role, whatever that looks like. It won't look the same, yeah. uh, but I, I sure am excited about, uh, about whatever it's going to look like. There you go. Well, we could do this all day. So uh, Yeah, I enjoyed this very much. Uh, we'll go ahead and close. But again, I just want to say thanks so much for, for taking the time to uh, be interviewed with the Success Chronicles and, and really diving deep and providing some some substance and not surface, because I think we can all learn from, from the words and the nuggets that you dropped today. And before we get off, I'd like to give you an opportunity uh, to share with the audience where they can go follow you and check you out and show you some love. And you know, if they would like for you to come speak, you know, how they can get in contact with you uh, to get you out there. Yeah, that, that'd be great. Uh, my email is stanley at this side of hope.com. Um, the, the company I'm, I'm now working for, I've, I've started my own company. It's called This Side of Hope. And so you can find that at thissideofhope.com. And uh, that, that's just the best way to get me email or, or of course, I'm on LinkedIn and, and I'm on uh, Instagram. So just started my Instagram. Again, I'm not a social media guy. Just got back on the LinkedIn uh, uh, so, but yeah, any way you want to reach out to me, that's, those are, uh, those are good options. Awesome. Well, thanks again. And thank you guys for checking out this episode and my, my, my charge, my challenge to you is that you will take, uh, you know, something from what we discussed in this interview and really apply it in your lives, because that's our mission. Our goal is to help us all be better. And I hope that you audience will take something from it. And please, 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 please <laughs> apply some of the lessons. And so thank you guys for checking out this episode. We'll see you next time. God bless. Go get it.